Well, this morning we're starting, we're kind of continuing the series that we've done on Church Rewired and kind of going towards Christmas Rewired. And it's not necessarily going to be the same exact thing with phrases, but concepts and postures that we have based off a long tradition of Christmas and and what how it's shaped our lives and our calendars, right? Christmas shapes our calendars. Easter, for the Christian especially, shapes our calendars. And we've got this cycle that goes on. And we've got traditions. We've got things we do. How many of you have got Christmas traditions in your family? Okay. And I'm sure there's a lovely, lovely history on how they got to be. Um, I don't want to hear any of that right now, though. Um, no, I'm just kidding. How many of you have a favorite Christmas movie? Does anyone have a favorite Christmas movie? Oh, sweet. Yeah, name, a, name a few of them. Miracle on 34th Street. Miracle on 34th Street. Okay. Which one, though? The original. The original. There we go. What? White Christmas. Okay. The Grinch. Charlie Brown. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. <laughs> Lord, bring order and peace to the chaos. Okay. What else? Elf. Elf, yeah. <laughs> but I've had a hard time getting on board with that one. What, what else? It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah, Jimmy Stewart. Thank you. Who said that one? <laughs> going to shoot your eye out. Man, when I meet people that go, I hate the Christmas storm, I'm going, what? It's Ralphie. How do you? I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, we have these things we look forward to and these joys. And I want to say this, um, before we get into this, those are good things. Uh, This series is not about bashing tradition. It's not about bashing anything. It's about getting to the root of why we celebrate what we celebrate and how do we want to posture ourselves in the future. So I'm not asking anyone to change traditions. I'm not asking anyone to change the excitement. I love Christmas time. I love the ambiance. I love the lights up. You know, I you know I could go without Christmas music twenty four seven on the radio. You know, because there's like four Christmas songs and they're redone like sixty times by so many different people. But I love it. It's fun, and it's exciting, and it's a joy. Now I want to ask you a question. Um, I want you to finish this sentence. Tis the season for what? What have you heard in our culture today when people go, Christmas is a time for what? What do you hear? Giving. Giving. Oh, big one. What else? Family. Family. It's a time for family. To be jolly. jolly. Yeah. That's my life motto, though. Every day is a day to be jolly. What else? Would you say something, Mark? We said jolly, too. Okay. What else? Hope. Does someone say hope? Geese? Oh, peace. (laughs) This is a season for geese, ladies and gentlemen. What else? Has anyone heard this is a season for miracles? Anyone heard that one? Hence, miracle in three portions. What else? Any, Any other ones out there? Second chances, anyone heard that? These are all good things. And partially true things when we look at the life of Jesus. But I want to argue that, or not argue, but point out that they're too small. 
And I would even argue that when we celebrate as Christians Christmas, we're celebrating the birth of Christ, and celebrating just the birth of Christ is too small. Now, for some, that might be, hit you the wrong way, but let me explain my meaning. Is that when Jesus came into the world, fully human and fully God, it's more than just a birth happening. It is. Now, Christmas is a human tradition. It's not a mandate in scripture. It's not something we're told to celebrate. It's something we do to honor him. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. But here's what can happen, is that we can get stuck in the cycle of Christmas, Easter, those things that we've created to celebrate that are good things, they can stunt our growth and our ability to engage Jesus in the way that he's meant to be engaged, because a lot of times, and I know a lot of people like this, they get this, uh, a lot of Christians, and myself included actually, where you go through Christmas and you get this high, you're just like, ah. Now it's not, not everyone, sometimes Christmas can be a, a, a tough thing, a tough season for people, and we'll get that in a minute. But it's like, yeah, and then Christmas is over, and you're like, oh, can we get to Easter so I can get excited about Jesus again? And and the culture has some semblance that he's around, and then you get to Easter, you're like, boom, he's risen, right? And all the church is going, he's risen, he is risen indeed. And we're like, yes, this is so amazing. Then summer hits and we're busy and we're doing all this stuff. Oh, I can't wait to get to Christmas, but then Christmas is busy. I got to get all these gifts and, and oh, I want to celebrate just Jesus, but I got to get all these. And you've got this buzz and this circle and we just keep running around. And we'll have years and times of breakthrough. But <clears throat> I would argue that we've got to break that cycle consistently that we got to choose not to get on that ride. Does that mean we don't celebrate it? No. Does that mean we don't get excited about it? No, that's not what I'm, I'm saying here. But we have to have a different posture towards it. We remember it, we celebrate it, but when you look at someone's birthday and you celebrate their birthday, hopefully, based off healthy relational dynamics, that's not the one day you try to get to know them and connect with them. Right? I mean, when my kids have, you know, when Gracie has a birthday, I don't wait for her birthday to finally really get engaged in her life. I don't go, man, Gracie, August, I'm going to, you know, get ready to get to know her a little bit. No. It's actually a sweet time because I've had every day in between to get to know her and get to know the people I love and their birthdays and all of that intimately and so that when we celebrate, it's like, boom, I'm celebrating a life I know and that knows me. And this is an exciting thing. Well, when we look in scripture, we see that Jesus came into the world. He was the savior and we see the shepherds. We see the magi. They're excited because the Messiah has come, the king of the Jews. It's an exciting thing. And so we hear all this buzz about a savior but he's he's bigger than that yes he saves us from our sins he gives us new life but he does it for the purpose of making himself known i'm going to say that over and over for the rest of my life everything that we should do we do in life should be to make him known we talk about evangelism that's to make him known we talk about living a christ like life it's to make him known for what other, what other purpose is there? It's not just so that we can f- 
you know, feed the poor and provide. Those are important things. We need to do them, but not for the sake of just doing them. It's because they make him known, and he loves those people. He cares for those people, and because he does, we do, because he's made himself known to us. This whole thing is an everyday relationship of making him known. He has revealed himself to us and wants to reveal himself through us and in us. And I'm gonna, um, I want you to just listen to this. <clears throat> We're going to look into John 3, chapter 3. And if you have your Bibles, you can pull them out. I'm going to read from the NIV. But if you want to close your eyes and just listen and receive, I, I encourage that too. And if it's easier for you to follow along, do whatever you got to do to connect. But John 3 <clears throat> is a famous place because of John 3.16, for God so loved the world. Many of us know this. But sometimes what we forget to do is look before and after that verse. And here we see the purpose of Jesus coming into the world. We see it. But he's talking to a teacher of the law, Nicodemus, who should know some stuff, right? He's a teacher of the law. He knows the law. And he has a conversation with Jesus, and I want you to track something here, is that Jesus makes the argument, I'm doing everything I can to make myself known, and you still don't see me. My, it, 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 it signifies that Jesus' purpose is to make himself known, is to reveal himself. So this is an important passage, and then he says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And we hear all, you know, whoever comes in him and all that stuff, and that's great. But that's to support his original, his original argument that he has come to make himself known. So I want you to listen to this. And we're going to pick up um, from verse 4. Nicodemus asks, how, how can one be born again? Because Jesus said you can't, you can't come to the Father unless you're born again. And so he's like, how can you do that? How can that happen? So verse 4, he says, how can a man be born when he's old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. Now that's a big, important phrase, statement, okay? Because God is truth. So when he tells you, I tell you the truth, it's an absolute. There's no variation of it. This is the truth you're about to hear. I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom. Oh, I'm... That's verse three, sorry. <laughs> I tell you the truth. No, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying. You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. And he goes, this is where Jesus challenges him on his credentials. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus. And do you not understand these things? I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know and we testify to what we've seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How will you then believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, 
that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. And here again, he makes himself known. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world. He is the light. But men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does, who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear of his deeds will be exposed. And this is great. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen, so that it may be known plainly that he has done that what he has done has been done through God. Now, that's a, a long passage. I get that. But what Jesus has done has been done through God, which makes him known. He has this conversation with Nicodemus. I'll say, I'm right here, and I'm talking about things you should understand, you don't understand, and I want to get to the heavenly things. If you can't understand the earthly things, how are we going to have a conversation, a dialogue of the heavenly things? And this, this it relates to us. If we cannot get past the surfacey things of our faith, the things that are great but are, caught, but are meant to bring us deeper, we're in trouble. God wants to make himself known to us in such a way that we move past just the celebration of the birth, but an everyday celebration of the living, moving, active presence of his Holy Spirit in our lives that we get to partner with every single day that is a product of the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus that now gives us life that we can go deeper. The problem that we have in our Christian culture today is we only go so far with Jesus. He wants to take us deeper. We keep revisiting the elementary truths, Hebrews 5. The writer even says that we can't, we can't keep revisiting all of that and live there. Celebrate it, yes. But stay in it, no, because there's more. It's the God of the universe. There's always more to participate in. When the Magi came to see Jesus, they, we don't really get to see it, but historically speaking, they went through a ton to get to Jesus. Betrayed Herod, went distance for a long amount of time so they could see the one, so that they could know the one that has now made himself known. And when they got to him, they bowed down and they worshiped him. And they didn't just give gifts. They gave what was most precious to him. Not just so he could go, oh, this is great. I get, you know, frankincense and myrrh. I just throw it on me. It's great. No. It was a sacrifice of praise. They gave what was most dear so that they could know the one that was known. And the best way to know Jesus is on your knees. Is in, Lord, do what you will. Take my life. Come in in such a way that you transform me and I may know you in spirit and in truth. What if our traditions, what if our intentions, especially in this season, were stemmed 
from the understanding that we want to make God known. We want to make the love, the tenderness, the forgiveness, the joy, the grace, the mercy, we want to make it known in our lives in every way possible. And this is just a, a reminder, a celebration that we have that opportunity to make him known, to step into the light, to be the light of the world so that people would no longer live in darkness. That's the privilege that we have. And so it's an exciting time. And it goes beyond just let's be jolly and merry because what about the people that have ex- experienced great loss in a time that we typically want to be joyful and jolly and celebrate. What about those people? Well, guess what? Jesus came for those people too. So he made himself known so that we would know how to process suffering and grief, to take it to the cross, to take it to him so that he can lead us through those tough times. And there's still joy in suffering. And not because it's Christmas time, but because Jesus has made himself known to redeem all things, big and small. All things, So I'm hurting, I'm grieving, but there's hope. Because not just because he was born, but because he's here with me now. Because he invites me into partnership with him, to connect, to, to not just do work, but to be loved and to love him. We talk a lot about being with him and partnering with him, but it's not just to do stuff, it's to be with him and just, aha. Have you ever met someone, you look at him, you're like, man, that person looks like I, I just need a hug from them. They're just so, they look so safe. And like, you just, has anyone ever met someone like that? Okay. I met someone like that at this retreat that, that Mark was at. And I was like, man, and I should have asked for a hug. But I saw this guy and he just, you could see the joy of the Lord on him. You could see that he may carry stuff, but he knows Jesus. And I thought, man, I want a, I want a big hug from that guy. I didn't need him to do ministry with me. I just wanted him to hug me. Sounds weird, but it's kind of, you know, it's that relationship that Jesus wants with us. That partnering is not just about getting stuff done. It's also about just being embraced, allowing ourselves to be embraced. That's really hard. How many of you, it's hard for you to ask for a hug when you need one? Or an embrace. And then when someone gives you one, whether you like it or not, it's still hard to receive that, right? You, you start doing the push out and, you know, the A-frame and all of that stuff and side shoulder. It's like, don't real, you know, whoa, whoa. <clears throat> but when we fall into the trap of just going through the religious cycle, we, we do the A-frame with Jesus. We put him at, at arm's length and we go, this is good, There's some connection here, but it's not enough. When we celebrate this year, be a celebration that the next day we get to step into his presence. The next day we get to step into his presence. The next day we get to step in his presence. And it's not about doing stuff. It's about being with him and allowing him to minister to our hearts about how much he loves us. And our task is to allow ourselves to be loved. We've talked about him as our magnificent obsession. An obsession means you keep going after it. Almost where someone thinks you're a little creepy. That person keeps staring at me. They're parked outside my house. They're, uh, this is weird. But Jesus invites that. I mean, the Magi haven't even met him yet, and they did things even a stalker wouldn't do. They put their lives on the line to know the one that has made himself known. 
They knew for some reason that this one was their magnificent obsession. This baby would become their magnificent obsession. And they did. He, he did. And you just saw the world transform. So when we go into this, as we're in this series, as we're talking about these things, let's do it with fresh eyes. Yes, it's about the birth of Jesus, but it's about so much more. So much more. This is, this is an epidemic, and I'm using that word in that we can get, as the Christian church gets stuck at certain places, there's a ceiling we just can't get past. And it's not just us. The writer of Hebrews even talked about it to church. There's a ceiling that we just naturally hit where we go, this is good enough, when I need him and this and that. And I said this before. I was actually going to talk about this on Christmas Eve. Why do we save the big guns for last? We should start with the big guns. Jesus is the big guns. You don't invite him in later when you've done all you can do and you're like, well, uh, man, when I try to take control, it all just goes to, you know, fill in the gap. But <clears throat> why do we do that? So we're starting out with the big guns. It's about Jesus, it's about Jesus, it's about Jesus and what he wants to do in our lives and how he wants to make himself known. One of the greatest traditions for me growing up, and it was irritating when you're a kid and you're looking forward to the gifts. You wake up, you run down. If you're in a two-story place, you run down. And you see the Christmas tree, you see it full of gifts, you see how you get so pumped, and you're sitting there, I don't care how old you are, it happened to me when I was like 17, I'm like sitting there, I'm like, let's, you know, but then you're like 17, so you got to play it a little cool, it's like, maybe we should, but inside you're like, yes, let's do this, and one of the traditions we had is that my parents would sit my brother and I down on the couch, and they would read the story of Jesus. And we could not get up until we heard it. And not just heard it, now we had to spend time in prayer on it. And I'm going, this is dumb. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Jesus. Woo, woo, woo. (laughs) I want my new skateboard. But now I'm a parent. And now I look at, what is it about? What gets me jazzed? And I'm so thankful for those moments on the couch because it's about him and how he infiltrates your life as he did that, that night. He infiltrates your life. And he doesn't, he doesn't just want you to believe in him and that's it. He wants you to walk with him. He wants you to allow him to embrace you, to mess with you, to take your heart and just <laughs> all over it. So so uncomfortable. The only thing you can do is go, okay, Jesus, take the wheel. Not to quote Carrie Underwood, but <laughs> it's his show. It's his show. And it's not just twice a year with Christmas and Easter. It's every single day, 24-7, every breath we take, God, I want to make you known. 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 Our call here at Bridgewood, our call as Christians is to make them known. So let's do that. What better time in our culture with everything going to heck in a handbasket to now stand up and say, I'm going to make Jesus known. I'm going to sit in the tension of all the extremes and all the opinions so that people can see the love of God for what it is, not what we've made it to be. And you will see something happen in this culture, in this church body, and in our relationship 
relationships that we've never seen before because it's not about doing the right thing. It's about making him known and we will be the right thing in Jesus' name. That's going to be pretty sweet. So he's our magnificent obsession and our call is to allow him to love us and we make him known. Simple but challenging, amen? All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for who you are, who you are, not who we made you to be, who you are. We thank you for your grace, your mercy, and your patience with us, and your love that is so deep that you would be patient and work with us so that we can make you known in a way that people are crying on this side of heaven, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. So would you renew our understanding of what this season represents? It represents every single day of our lives to make you known. And we don't get it all right all the time, and that's where we thank you for your grace and your mercy and again, your patience with us. But we want to. So we just, we ask that you'd have your way with us. That in our hurts and our pains, that you would be our peace and our healing, our redeemer. That in our moments of joy, that you would bless us with infectious laughter and fun. And God, that you would give us courage to have hard conversations to reflect who you are in our relationships that may require those hard conversations so that life can be poured in and out. We thank you, God. We thank you. We thank you for blessing this church family. Yes, we thank you for the finances, but I thank you, God, for what you're doing in the spirit. I thank you that you are leading us to a place where we refuse to settle for less than what you have for us. And I ask that as the offering um, plates come by, that we would be reminded that giving is a spiritual act of worship, that we want to be with you and to know you more deeply, that we want to give out of that understanding of who you are in our lives, and not, and not just our finances, but again, our time and in our relationships, all the way around the board. We want to make you known. It's all yours. We thank you. We honor you. We glorify you. We praise your name. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.